Thank you, Pastor Cliff. Um, I was sitting in the in the pew a few minutes ago and thinking that it was at Pastor Cliff's last church uh, in Grand Cache that our son Mark uh, first preached when he was how old? 17. 17. And he's going to be preaching at his home church, C3, in Toronto in two weeks. And we'll be there. So this man... Uh, knows how to bless the next generation. And I bless you for that, Cliff. Thank you so much for being a forerunner. So Terry and I have been speaking and teaching on blessing for many years, and we have written a book called The Family Blessing Guidebook. It um, is about blessing, how to receive blessing for your own life if you haven't had it growing up, and how to impart it to your family. So you can see me at the back um, at the book table. We have a few more copies left, $12 each. And we also have just translated it into Spanish. And we've noted since we've been here the last couple of days that there are quite a few uh, Hispanic speakers here. So if you'd like a copy of this book in Spanish, come... De familia, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's butchered Spanish for the, the blessing. <laughs> um, you can... Um, pre-order with me, and we'll get that out to First Assembly. Thank you. Thanks, babe. Um, it's out of this house uh, that your leadership in um, 14, 15 years ago um, gave us our first start as traveling ministers. And at that time, we were pastoring and had no real desire not to pastor. And uh, But it was at a First Assembly that we got our first our first uh, event where he brought us out to pastor's camp and uh, we were teaching the nucleus of that message when God said to us in Alberta, uh, resign and go help churches and pastors everywhere. And so counting, counting North America, we've been on five continents doing this and uh, it's just an amazing journey. So we love this house and have many friends that have attended here and been in leadership here, and served here. And I spoke a little bit in the first service, but I have an additional word in this service, okay? And it's for Tim, Pastor Tim. Are you, are you referred to as Pastor Tim? Yeah, okay, for Tim. Um, I saw Tehila, and I saw it as a mast on a boat. I saw it as something that raises high, and that this high praise, isn't Tehillah mean high praise? Something like that. It's a kind of praise. And it just, I was standing behind you, and I saw this strong picture of a mast, and it was a boat that had had the wind going sideways, and whoever, I had no picture of this, but those that were holding on to the, the helm, the keel, the rudder, the rudder uh, because the keel was so strong, it didn't matter which way the wind has blown, this thing has not gone over. Whew. Excuse me, my allergies are acting up. <laughs> and, uh, and then what I saw was a new, clean, fresh sail being hoisted and above it a flag. And the flag is like some prophetic message, but it was veiled from me. So it's not for me to pronounce the message that Tehillah is releasing, but to encourage you as a leader that you're running up a fresh flag and then all of a sudden, the wind came in. 
The wind came into the sail, but it was blown in the direction where it was easy to pilot the ship. So I bless whatever's going to happen. Because uh, in that particular ministry, what I saw is your whole worship ministry. God loves the worship ministry of this church. Don't you ever stop doing what you're doing. Ten after nine, and it was full-on Holy Spirit manifestation power in this service. Okay, you guys thought you were worshiping. You were just picking up the wind from 9 a.m. Okay, they did the heavy lifting and the praying. You just got out of bed at 10.30, rubbed your eyes, grabbed a Starbucks and walked in here and, and got some. Okay, and those folks really got that going. This, uh, the sound that comes from this house is unique and it's a fusion of cultures and it's going to be very attractive in the days ahead. And we're going to need that kind of demonstration of the lordship of Jesus just by the way you praise him. And when we sang, it is well with my soul, uh, well, that new song, and then we got into that part, I actually felt like the church was saying, or the Lord was saying, it's well with this church's soul. So you got the best days ahead of you. Turn to somebody and say, the best days at First Assembly are coming soon. Okay? Tell them that. Wow. Now we see in part and we prophesy in part. But what I'm sure of is the essence is God's pleasure on the price you paid to be able to worship in a healthy environment. And I bless that today. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Let's take a phrase that we've heard many times. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Let me read it for you in my version. Just keep it up there. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, That is Christ. Say all things. All things. Okay. We normally want to grow in the areas that we like to grow or we have an issue. But there's a place to grow up in this balance, in this maturity, in this all things. It's called speaking the truth in love. Now, this is not a pronouncement on this house. And it's not any kind of criticism. It's an observation. As I've been doing church for a long time. Okay. When I first started at 15 years old coming out of a drug habit at that age, or at least drug experimentation and and all the rest, that I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, my parents got worried about me. They weren't worried when I was doing LSD, but they were worried when I went to church five times a week. They thought, this kid has lost it. His brain is gone. But uh, I had the privilege of leading my mother through the sinner's prayers, we call it, after 43 years last November. Hallelujah. The Lord told me in 2016, hey, this is another one I forgot to say in the, morning, in the first service. The Lord told me that I can release this wherever I preach. And that this is the year, 2016, where the Lord speaks a new word to your soul. Okay? So, it is a, it's, it, this isn't like, a, you know, like trying to inflate something, you know, pump you up. This is a word directly from me Uh, from the Lord to my soul, and he gave me permission to release it, that this is a time where things happen that never happened before. And I'll tell you one in the sermon, which was kind of cool as well, in my ministry this year. And why not? 
Why not this year? Especially if Jesus says it can be this year. Then I'm going to claim that you take that and let that be for anything. So maybe it's somebody that needs the Lord for the last 43 years. But something that has been rare in the church up until now is speaking the truth in love. If you read the entire chapter of Ephesians 4, and this is in the context of a series on relationships and Ephesians, you will see that speaking the truth in love is one of the cornerstones. It's one of the pegs that needs to be part of growing up in all things. But I've noticed over the years, church people try to be nice or else church people can backstab as well. And so it tends to kind of rock from one ditch to the other, one side of the road to the other. We either hide our feelings in the name of love or we, or, or we hide the truth in the name of love or we blurt our feelings in the name of truth. We're either just, you know, trying to be nice to that person. I remember at a church in, that I went to, our, our second church. I won't say it because somebody will know the church and then they'll... You know, today, by the time the service is over, I'll get a call from that city saying, what are you saying about my church? Cliff this morning said, I like that picture of you yesterday somewhere in Calgary. He said, what? He saw it in Facebook. I haven't seen it yet. So I don't know what I was doing in Calgary yesterday, but Cliff saw it before me. So in the days of social media, I have to be careful. But at that church, there was a lady who had what we call halitosis, okay, bad breath. And she joined the choir And it was so bad, you could smell her before you could see her coming. It was a medical condition. And nobody would say anything. Nobody would help her. And I remember we had discussions about it at staff meetings. And I remember thinking, why can't we just pull her aside and say, by the way, we have a problem. (laughs) But we're too nice as church people. We, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to offend anybody. Then it can go the other way. Where, you know, Brother Bill stands up in the uh, annual meeting and just starts, you know, letting it fly. And feel, gives himself credit for some sort of virtue because he blurts all his resentment on the pastoral team. Because he doesn't understand where the money's being spent or something. And somehow we think, that's telling it like it is, brother. Well, sometimes you just blurt your feelings, and tomorrow you feel different. So did the truth change? What I'm trying to say is that putting those two together is absolutely essential. And I want to take you to a person who always did it right, to the point that sometimes the things he said sound downright strange. So turn with me to the Gospel of John Chapter 5, we're going to stare at Jesus for a few moments. Just have a fresh look at this passage that you've heard before. And we're going to look at this and... and, um, uh, uh, If you got that up on the screen there, I want to read it from the the screen. We're going to look at this passage, John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. How Jesus talks to a man that really needed his help. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Hold that there for a moment. Long time, 
38 years. Say 38 years with me. 38 years. This man had been there beside the pool for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? Now, this is, you know, if it wasn't Jesus, would I ever love to give a snappy answer to that question? I'd love to use my well-honed sarcasm and just give it back, you know. You can think up your own sarcastic answer. It just seems like an unnecessary question. It seems almost like a, you, could, you could attribute the wrong motives to it. Is he making fun of him? Is he judging him? What's going on there? Well, let's see how the man responded. So in the next verse we read, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day in which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man, we're so happy that you got healed even though it's the Sabbath. We'll set aside all our traditions and celebrate. Sorry, I must be reading the wrong version. The Jewish leaders said to the man that's been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Keep going. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who's this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the table and said to him, gee, I encourage you now that you can walk. I'm really glad. How are your legs doing? Isn't this fun? No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, see, you're well again. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. I want to focus first on the, do you want to be made well? And secondly, on the stop sinning. Because Jesus was actually speaking the truth in love. He was looking beyond what would be normal conversation given the circumstances and he was speaking directly to heart issues, behavior thinking, so that this man could walk in freedom because the truth spoken in love always brings us freedom. Okay, a quick word study here. Well, let's even back up a little further than that. Let's look at the man again. Let's go back to verse 1 and think of this. This man had been laying there 38 years a long time. What are some of the emotions he probably felt? Frustration, isolation, rejection, anger. Why doesn't somebody help me? Depression, discouragement. It's a long time to lay there and not be able to get well. Now, I want to use this as a little metaphor here today for church people. Okay, we're all church people. Maybe it's your first time here. Um, But those of us who have been coming a long time, I've been coming to church 38 years and a little bit longer. And it reminds me of people who've been coming to the place. See, Bethesda was the place that they believed could help them. It was a place of healing. They thought, they believed. And people come to church Well, we know we should go to church. We know it's a good place to be. And I believe that God can help me and read the stories. But it's as if every week we go away and we're still not functioning in that area. There's still areas in our life that we're lame, where we're paralyzed, where we're not 
We're not well emotionally in, in our minds as well as our bodies. And Jesus comes to church people who've been attending for a long time. They're faithful to sit beside the pool. They're there, but they've got to the point where they probably don't even expect to get better. But uh, where else can I be? And Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? Now, the response to that question was a bunch of lame excuses, pun intended. And Jesus does not accept our lame excuses. He looks at the heart and goes straight to the desire. The word, do you want, do you want, that phrase actually in the Greek says, do you have a resolve? It's, is, is there a resolve followed by a desire? So is there a, a deep resolve to begin changing? Do you desire this? And to become well means to become whole in every way. I believe it's the word sozo. So what Jesus was saying is, I don't want to hear any of your lame excuses. I want to speak to your heart. And it says that Jesus said that because he'd been there a long time. He'd been laying there a long time. And Jesus knows that when you've been doing something a long time, sometimes you need to think differently about who you are and your circumstances and what God can do for you in the midst of that. So he goes straight to the desire question and he says, Do you really have a resolve, a determination that you want to get better in every way? Because if you do, I have a word for you. That's good news. And I want to speak that over everyone under the sound of my voice this morning. Hey, church person. Are there areas in your life that you're frustrated with that haven't changed? Jesus just wants to hear you say, Lord, I want to change. I just don't, I don't want just some relief. I just don't want to, you know, pay the bills only. Of course, we want all that. But I, I want I want to hear from you, and I want to be better. So I'm going to call this guy Matt, okay? We're going to say his name is Matt. So Matt's laying there on his mat. That's how I remember his name. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And after his lame excuses, perhaps there was some more conversation. Perhaps he just saw it in the look of his eyes. But Jesus releases a rhema. Could you go to that slide? Uh, that says Araya. He began his transformation by hearing a direct rhema from Jesus. Rhema is the Greek word for word, a spoken word that's often a command. Uh, logos is like the embodiment of an idea. So Jesus didn't just try to sell him on the idea of change. He spoke to him and said, Matt, get up and pick up your mat. And here's the Here's the powerful thing is the very first thing you and I need, the thing we need most in our life in the areas that aren't working is to hear directly from God. We need the truth from God to meet the truth about us and to dispel the lies that we've been hanging on to. So Look around here at, at, at what's built. Every physical thing that we can see originated with a spoken word. 
Once upon a time, there was nothing. Genesis 1, uh, God said. It's listed many times, over a dozen times. God spoke and it came into being. Literally, in the speaking of the word is the power to do it. You'll often hear uh, claimed or um, quoted in church. You know, the word of God cannot return void. In other words, empty. It has to, it has to accomplish what it's set out to do. Why? It's because when God speaks, in the very words he's speaking, the powers contained to do the thing he said. So it's done in heaven by speaking. And then when we align our words with his speaking, then what's already done in heaven's eyes becomes reality in earth. Isn't that awesome? What we need is to hear a direct word from God. Jesus said, Matt, get up. Carry your mat. Now, unfortunately, the first people he met were religious people. And they were more concerned with Matt's mat than Matt's legs. They didn't even notice he was walking this time. They just noticed he was breaking one of their rules. Not even a biblical commandment. Just one of their traditions. And one of the ways we're going to get healed and whole is when we hear Jesus' words and obey anyways, even though there's always somebody with a reason why we shouldn't do it. We have to obey. The releasing of that word, the speaking of that word. This man was blaming others, himself, or pardon me, he was blaming others' circumstances and focusing on his own weaknesses. Jesus' word Spoken in love changed his life. Speaking the truth in love is an essential quality for a healthy church, for a healthy family, for a healthy marriage. And people will receive the truth when they know you love them. So that's why we continue in our little self-sacrifices and ways that we show people we care about them. We listen well. We serve. We put up with stuff. We persevere. And then when time comes, we deliver the truth in a way that helps. I had a board member who, when I was a senior pastor, and he had a life, kind of a life motto he lived by. And he said, if I have to choose between being nice and being helpful, I'll always choose helpful. Now, the first time he told me that, I was a little worried that I was getting set up for something. You know, in the name of healthful, he was going to give it to me. But he wasn't like that. He understood that church people will sometimes choose nice, choose the easy way out. Being a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker. A peacekeeper is someone who wants to keep everybody happy, doesn't want to ruffle anybody's emotions. We don't have to pay the price of a temporary upset to bring healing. And we know physically that happens. Sometimes you have to cut something open to heal it. You have to uh, have an operation. And that's what speaking the truth in love is, is. Is maybe we wince once in a while. But it's, it's couched in gentleness, kindness, the fruit of the spirit. And it's motivated by understanding, observation and revelation. As we look at someone and we want to help them. And we have permission. We have to have permission. It's a fabulous attribute that brings wholeness in relationships. 
And this board member who had that motto, I soon adopted the motto. And even today when we see each other, we have the ability to kind of tell it like it is because we know we love each other. And, and that kind of deep friendship brings a security and a peace and a necessary, necessary help at times. <clears throat> I want to tell you a little bit about another moment when the Lord spoke the truth in love for me. It's a kind of an unusual circumstance. But in February, I was in a, a nation that I, I don't want to mention uh, because this is being podcasted. And it's a country somewhere over there. You've got to fly over water from here to get there. And um, there's religions that uh, aren't favorable to Christianity is most of the country. And so I have uh, raised up eight evangelists with two overseers. So our ministry pays the freight for 10 workers in that country. They're all nationals. We've trained them. We've translated all sorts of materials into their native language. And they are able to um, share the love of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel um, in a way that they're not bringing attention to themselves because people in that nation are being killed for that. So I go there, and I have ways to get there. I have ways to get them the resources. And we were meeting secretly in a Christian's home that we had rented. And we, the workers were asking their questions, and we were teaching. And I did three hours on the topic of love, and afterwards they wanted prayer. And we've seen Holy Spirit show up so many times. And we've taught them, just like the book of Acts in chapter 3, when Peter and John were thrown into prison. They get out and they pray. What did they pray? Oh, Lord, protect me. No, they said, Lord, you see their threats. Show up with power. Give us more signs and wonders. I love that attitude. So we've taught that. And we prayed. And I was walking out of the room. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, make sure they all speak in tongues. And I thought, okay, I, yeah, I'll make sure. Because I thought they all did. So I went back through a translator, because I don't speak their language, and asked him, one, one young man, one evangelist put up his hand, and I went to pray for him, I prayed for him, and within 15 seconds, he kind of fell down on the bed, and we had to prop him up, and have my hand on his shoulder, and he starts speaking. He starts speaking these words. Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit power on my hands and on my heart, on my hands and on my heart. Oh, Lord, every time I talk to you, you always listen. Whenever I call to you, you always answer, Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit power. He was speaking in tongues, but it was English. Yeah. I recorded some of it when I realized what was happening. I was still trying to pray for him, and I'm praying in tongues, and I grabbed my phone and kind of did that. And I got some of it. And afterwards, we asked him for a testimony. He wrote it down as translated. He said, Brother Terry laid his hands on me. My burdens lifted. I fell over. I don't know what else happened. (laughs) That was his testimony of that day. So, (laughs) you know, just another prayer time where I fell over. Uh, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But those around will receive a message, a sign. And, you know, I'd been asking the Lord... Am I sending these people to their death by coming over here and encouraging them? You know, like me and the Apostle Paul, you know, I'm going to all these countries and 
Just like the Apostle Paul, I go to the airport lounge and get delayed for an hour and have to hop another flight. Isn't that what happened to him? Oh, no, sorry. He had to spend a, 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 a winter on an island because his boat crashed. Yeah, like what price am I paying to do this? And, and, and I've been asking the Lord, this is a real life scenario. Lord, what do I do? Jesus, I need a word from you. And I realized that when I prayed for this man, Holy Spirit had a word for me through the gifts of the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And he said, I'm on your hands. I'm in your heart. Keep praying. I'm listening every time you talk. I'm answering every time you pray. My faith level has notched up from there that I can ask whatever I want to ask and it's going to happen over there. And I even believe that there's a Holy Spirit that lives in Canada too. Now, he's not quite as demonstrative as the Holy Spirit that lives over there. He likes to behave himself in church. No, of course not. Same Holy Spirit. And what I love is a direct rhema, a word from God that I need in my situation. Now, that's a pretty dramatic example. But God wants to use you to speak a word that's going to lift people out of their helplessness, or when they're going the wrong direction and they just need some correction. They got to know you love them first. You know, well, I got the ministry of correction, brother. No, probably not. Correctional institutions are jails, okay? <laughs> you have the ministry to love people. But this is something that I believe the Lord's going to bring into our midst. Now, final point there. Jesus says, stop sinning. Okay? Jesus says to the man, stop sinning. I would have given him a word of encouragement. So let's think about this man for a moment. 38 years lying there beside the pool. What was he doing that was sinning? Do you think he had been committing adultery? Nah. Do you think uh, maybe he'd been robbing banks? Probably not. Pretty slow getaway. (laughs) What had he been doing that was sinning? Well, one thing we know from the passage, he'd been blaming others. He'd been yattering about his weaknesses. Sir, I have no one to help me. Jesus, that is not what I asked. I asked, do you want to get well? He'd been so long in his situation, the way he talked was actually winding more twine around his bondage. He, was, he didn't need the devil around at that point. He was doing the devil's job. He was in agreement with a lie. He was in agreement with how the enemy would speak over his life. Jesus doesn't say, well, buddy, after 38 years, I'm, I'm with you. I get it. I'd grumble too. Jesus doesn't partner with our grumbling. He doesn't partner with our complaining. He never does. He calls it sinning. He says, I believe to the man, you've been sinning with your mouth and your belief system. And I healed your legs. But if you want to become whole, sozo, well in every way, change the way you talk. Every breakthrough needs a follow through. 
Change the way you talk. I've given you the word. Now I need from you a faith-filled response that you start talking according to the way I've been talking to you. Change the way you talk about yourself and others and your circumstance to match what God's saying to you today. Amen? Yeah, that's worth, that's worth an amen and applause. And so usually at a concert, you applaud when it's over. So I guess I'll finish. Actually, that's about my last point anyways. But I'd like you to stand with me. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. I love what God's doing in this house. I love what God's doing here. And thank you for coming back, worship team. You guys are awesome. I don't really know your names, but I know your hearts already. By about 9, 10, I knew your hearts. It was just good stuff. And you're going to pick the right song for us. But I'm just going to take a moment that I think is really important. See, the Lord speaks the truth in love. And the first truth we all need, not just the lame man, is that we are sinners. That's the most loving thing that Jesus could tell me today. That without him, I'm a sinner. People, oh Lord, I'm sorry I did that. I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, I know. I know. You're going to do that without me. And you're going to repeat it. And so the statement, you're a sinner, is also in the same moment an invitation. He'll never leave you in your desperation. He says, you're a sinner, but I'm a savior. You are weak, but I am strong. You are deceived, but my words will absolutely open up life and truth. And I will pay for your punishment. Now, I'm just kind of looking at, I don't know how many watts of light and a few like dark silhouettes up there. So I can't see the whites of your eyes, but I want to say to you this morning, I want to ask, is there anyone here like my mother who had been to church many times, but never had sat down and said, Jesus I'm a sinner. I agree with you and your Bible. And I want to acknowledge that you are the Savior, the one that died for me. And I want to accept that and believe you rose again. And that's the payment for my sins. I I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to confess that I am a sinner. And I want to start changing the way I talk and live. Is there anybody here that has not prayed that prayer before? Anybody here that's not prayed that prayer before? And your ministry workers, you are you putting up your hand? Come on forward, huh? Can we have some ministry team, please? What's your name? This is Julie. Julie needs the truth and the love of Jesus. I bless you, Julie. Is there anyone else? Someone just ministered to Julie there. Someone else. I'm having trouble seeing. Go, go get him. Come on forward, friends. This is the safest place you could be today in the earth. If you put up your hand, don't be afraid. Somebody, go, go usher that person either into the aisle or something. Somebody's pointing. There was a hand up somewhere. I don't want to miss this. Is there somebody up there? And you just pray. You just somebody near you. They put up your hand or you saw it start to go up. You start to pray with them. When 
when I was a teenager, I told church people that they were trying to screw with my mind, only I wasn't that polite. They never got angry with me. They invited me back every week. I tried to pull down the tree branches in the front of the church to see what they would do. I tested them, you know. They never got angry. I thought, these guys are weird. A few months later, something came over me one day. I said, I got to have this. I went to the church camp and I asked Jesus in my heart beside the cash register at the camp store at 11 p.m. at night. Walked into the next room 10 minutes later and there a bunch had been praying for me and they looked at me and said, you have become a Christian. I said, how do you know? They said, it's all over your face. Nobody gets born without knowing it. No child goes from darkness to light, from not breathing to breathing and says, well, I just take it by faith I'm now born. They experience being born again. And right today could be your day to experience spiritual light in life. Okay, please don't wait another day. Secondly, I don't know you by name, but I do know the word. There's some lame people here today in our hearts. We've just stopped functioning. We've stopped speaking the word of the Lord to our friends. We, we just kind of shut her down because we're just not sure we can change anymore. We've had too many disappointments. And so the narrative has been, oh, well, you know, I had that business failure. I had this, you know, I'm just going to, you know, be on social assistance the rest of my life. And I don't know, nobody notices me, you know, they're this. We, we, we've got this thing going on and Jesus says, stop talking that way. I want to come to you and speak something powerful and new. This is the year the Lord speaks a new word to you. And I want to change it. He wants to change it, brother. He says, you can do that which you couldn't before when you hear my word. So how about this? If you say, I'm about ready for a new word from God. Put your hand up, please. Okay. I'm about ready right now in my life. Don't do it if you don't feel that way. Jesus, hold your hands up. Jesus, every hand that's held up here, I ask you to speak a rhema. In whatever way we can hear it, I release you, Holy Spirit. Show now, in Jesus' name, I release you, Holy Spirit. New word, new word. Speak the truth in love. We can take it, Lord. We want it. We want to be whole. We want to be whole. We don't want to just lay around being at church and not being fruitful. We want to be part of the thing that you're doing. Bring it now in Jesus' name. I'm going to hand the microphone back to the church leadership. And um, Sarah will discern where we go from here. I just want to say, go out of here today and know that Jesus is that close to you. He knows your need. There's a word for you. Take it. Be changed. Be transformed. We love you in Jesus' name.